Hello and welcome back to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z for Thursday, the sixth day of July, 2023. We are back at least a little more close to being in Studio 63 fully. Still waiting for the sound deadening panels and such for the installation of those on the walls and the other items that make the program sound a little more professional. But it is what it is and we're making do with what we have. Let's buzz through some headlines together, shall we? Biden completely lost on stage, wanders around aimlessly while mumbling. And yes, there is a video. I know I spoke briefly about this yesterday. Jill Biden was introducing Neo, the hip hop artist that was getting ready to come up onto the stage at a campaign event. Biden walked onto the stage without an escort, no secret service person, no one in a bunny costume, just wandering around with a wireless microphone, looking like a lost old man in the mall. It was really sad to see as he wandered aimlessly around, talking to, I guess, himself. He said mumbling, intermittent noises, and spoke a bunch of nonsense into the microphone during the speech. Jill Biden was introducing the act. Joe Biden starts walking away from the audience towards the back of the stage. And when he kept his back to the audience, he said into the microphone, where is he? I don't know, man. I want to say hi to him. Trying to get me off stage. I'm afraid I'm going to sing, aren't you? Then he wandered off the stage. The truly scary moment was captured on video. And this is what China and Russia and North Korea are hoping for to see this man completely fail. Because when you think of Russia, what's the first thing you think of? Vladimir Putin. When you think of China, what's the first thing you think of? Their leader, Xi Jinping. When you think of any nation, the very first thought that usually comes to person's mind is the leader of that nation, for the leader should be the very best of the very best of those in their country. This is what we have, a bumbling, tumbling, fumbling, mumbling, muttering, puttering, shuddering, stuttering, stammering old man who doesn't know how to walk off a stage. There's an opinion editorial in The Hill written by Bernard Goldberg entitled Asian American Students Were the Victims of Racial Discrimination. And it's true. In March of 2022, a year and a few months ago, before the Supreme Court heard the very first arguments on whether using race as a method of college admissions is constitutional, a column was written that said, quote, cases involving schools and affirmative action historically have been about minorities on one side of the divide and white kids on the other. Minorities were always portrayed as victims. Whites were always portrayed as the privileged ones. But now we're witnessing something new. Disputes with minorities on both sides of that line. Black and Hispanic kids on one side, Asian Americans on the other. And during that article, which was also written by Bernie Goldberg at that time in March of 2022, he said, it's raising a question that must make liberals and progressives who see themselves as the champion of racial minorities uncomfortable. Is it fair to discriminate against one minority, the Asian Americans, in order to increase the enrollments at some of America's top schools for blacks and Hispanics? He says, I think I was onto something when I wrote that, but now it looks like I gave liberals too much credit. In the recent Supreme Court 6-3 decision knocking down race-based affirmative action in college admissions, it has made liberals uncomfortable. No, it hasn't. They feel perfectly fine with it. Liberals aren't only not uncomfortable, they think it's pretty cool. Because the liberals are looking at the Asian Americans as if they are somehow part of the privileged white class. 
but they are indeed Asians. Now I'll get away from the article for a minute. In 1975 or thereabouts, large groups of Vietnamese refugees fleeing the war-torn country of Vietnam came to the United States of America with literally the clothing on their back and nothing more. They spoke a foreign language. They didn't look like the rest of Americans. They had Asian features. They were called gooks, nips. They were called every disparaging name you could think of. Not just by white folks, but by Negroes as well. And by Hispanics. Why? Their eyes didn't look like ours. Their skin color and their hair type didn't look like others. So they were picked on, not only by whites, but by blacks and other ethnicities. But these people, unlike the blacks, overcame that. They turned the other cheek. They learned to not only speak English, but to master it, and mathematics, and science, and engineering principles, and history, and all of the important educational subjects of the United States of America. Not of white America, not of black America, not of Spanish America, but of the United States of America. And in less than two generations, the Vietnamese refugees who came here against their choice, much like slaves did in the old days, they came here and they found menial jobs, slave wage jobs, working at shipyards as janitors, until the shipyards realized, gee, these Vietnamese are pretty intelligent. They're actually helping us to improve our ability to properly engineer, manufacture, and produce the things we're producing at the shipyard. And as they learned English, as they progressed in their education over the next 25 years, they became engineers, doctors, attorneys, chemists, and every other profession you can imagine. And they excelled in education, in math, in science, in reading, in every subject matter, even surpassing the privileged white folks. Now that they are smarter than the blacks by 25 points on average on standardized testing, the blacks are saying foul, it's wrong, and that we should throttle back the admission of those evil Asians because they're just like the privileged whites in favor of putting more Blafrican Americans and Hispanics in our nation's top colleges and universities, and then dumbing down the requirements and standards for graduation at those universities. In other words, if you haven't seen the movie Idiocracy, I highly suggest you do so. I believe in that movie, the Blafrican American bodybuilder Terry Crews played the part of an illiterate, ignorant president of the world, and people watered the plants with Gatorade because, after all, the plants were thirsty, and Gatorade was the thirst quencher. At the New York Times, the liberal editorial board doesn't seem at all troubled that it is a racial minority, Asian-American applicants at Harvard and the University of North Carolina, amongst others, who were the actual victims of real racial discrimination. The New York Times wrote, quote, in striking down affirmative action in higher education on Thursday, the Supreme Court's conservative majority said it had to do so because the Constitution forbids any form of racial discrimination or racial distinction. With a single opinion, the justices overturned decades of wrong precedents that upheld race-conscious admissions policies consistent with what they think the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause says. 
And the Times says this, re, this ignored rather the reality of modern America where prejudice and racism endure. In fact, even gropey Joe Biden, the feeble-minded president of the United States, said, reading from the teleprompter, of course, the court has effectively ended affirmative action in college admissions, and I strongly, strongly disagree with the court's decision. Discrimination still exists in America, he says. Today's decision has not changed that. Actually, the decision of the Supreme Court ended racial discrimination in the college admissions process. It says we cannot make special rules for race. Everyone shall enter based on their merits, their ability, their skill, their education levels. Joe Biden did say it correctly. There is racial discrimination that exists in America, and these days that racial discrimination is squarely against whites and now Asian Americans as well. What a shame. How can the President of the United States be so ignorant? It's really uncomfortable. Al Sharptongue, always trying to remain somewhat relevant in Blafrican America land, said on the very poorly rated MSNBC network that the court's decision was tantamount to sticking a dagger in our back. Summer Lee is a progressive Democrat from Pennsylvania, and she said, quote, As a black woman who had the audacity to attend college, I am disgusted that our country just enshrined racial inequity in higher education and economic immobility into law, unquote. I want to break that one down. As a black woman who had the audacity to attend college, no, your privileged black individual self got a United Negro Scholarship Fund free ride. You are disgusted that the country enshrined racial inequity? No, it just stopped racial inequity. It just did what if black people were being told we can't let you in, You'd be screaming, demanding to be let in. All these Asian Americans want to do is attend college. They are highly qualified and meet all of the admissions requirements to attend those universities. The affirmative action programs that you so desperately clamor for, Summer Lee, are racism enshrined. As far as this supposedly enshrining racial inequity in higher education and economic immobility into law, you obviously need to go back to college or give your degree back. The Supreme Court does not make law. You, in the legislative branch, make law. The president signs it into law, and if it is unconstitutional, as affirmative action is indeed unconstitutional, the U.S. Supreme Court simply shoots down the unconstitutional law. Summer Lee, you do really need to consider going back to school or giving your degree back. Justice Sonia Sotomayor, who was a quota hire in her own right under the Clinton administration, in her minority, minority opinion, wrote that the Supreme Court cements a superficial rule of colorblindness as a constitutional principle in an endemically segregated society where race has always mattered and continues to matter. A bunch of word salad. I thought this woman was intelligent. The rule of colorblindness should be just like the rule of justice. Justice is blind. Something is either right or it's wrong, period. There's no qualifier. There's no it's right if it benefits blacks and Hispanics, but it's wrong if it benefits Asians or whites. That is ridiculous on its face. Justice Sotomayor, you too need to send back your college diplomas. The latest justice, the Blafrican-American quota hire, who only was considered because she was black, 
and a female, by Joe Biden, registered her opinion. But what article would be complete without making sure that everyone knows she's the first Blafrican American woman on the Supreme Court? She wrote, quote, With let them eat cake obliviousness today, the majority pulls the ripcord and announces colorblindness for all by legal fiat. But deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. Another ignorant racist statement from an ignorant racist minority. She embodies her entire ethnicity. Liberal and progressive intellectuals have invented a way to make it easier to pretend that Asian American students aren't victims of discrimination. But the fact is, Asian Americans were being discriminated against in their college admissions processes in Harvard and the University of North Carolina and others. We can't let you in because you are too much like white folks. You're qualified, you're educated, you're well-spoken, you're articulate, you're intelligent. You passed all of the requirements and surpassed that of even the whites. But that's okay. Liberal and progressive so-called intellectuals have now invented a way to make it easier to pretend that Asian American students are not victims of discrimination at Harvard, at UNC, or others. And more than that, that Asian Americans aren't even really a minority in America, despite making up less than 4.5% of our population. They're not minorities? No. These so-called liberal progressive intellectuals came up with a new term called white adjacent to describe Asian Americans who do well. In other words, as far as some people on the left are concerned, Asian American students aren't real minorities. The idea that Asians are too successful to be considered persons of color relies on the racist assumption that success is a white person's trait. And if you think I'm lying, Patricia Pan Connor wrote it that way in the American Conservative back in 2021. White trait. Whatever the merits might be for racial diversity on college campuses, and there are differing opinions on that, Asian American students are in fact victims of racial discrimination, period. Now here's the really scary part that liberal progressive race baiting America doesn't want you to realize. If things were fair, equitable, diverse and inclusive, and wanted to mirror what the United States of America looks like on college campuses, 65% of the college students would be white, half male, half female. 16% would be Hispanic. 13% would be black. 5% would be Asian. 1% would be Native American, Indian. That's feather, not dot. But that's not what the liberal progressives want. In their sick, twisted minds, equity for blacks means college campuses would be, you ready for this math? 50% black because that's equitable, that's equal, that's half of the nation. And then 50% would be Hispanic, you know, people of color. And then Asians would get their 5%. And whites, well, they're privileged, so they shouldn't be able to attend college. That's the sick, twisted, perverted, progressive, liberal outlook, the way they want things done. Whatever their intentions, it appears that we're witnessing a new kind of discrimination based on race these days, one created by woke progressives, the same people who keep telling us how much they care about minority children, apparently as long as those minority children aren't Asian kids who do too well in school. Thanks, Bernie Goldberg. That uh, contribution means a whole lot here on the Truth Hurts program. And everything is racist. I'm not going to play the song today. We're not really fully back enough to be able to get to it in the archives. But according to the Independent News publication, Asir Fatajer writes, black individuals claiming 
that if you have an American flag in front of your house, it means you are a racist. The woke ideology is grinding the gears of conservatives by making ridiculous statements. In conjunction with the American Independence Day, some are more happy to show their patriotism. However, to woke progressive individuals that claim to be in the minority, they're stating they feel animosity against those who are hanging American flags in front of their houses. How dare you? In 2021, KUTV said a Black Lives Matter Utah post showed significant reactions surpassing the impact of their street protests. The Post claims that individuals who display the American flag are racist and referred to the American flag as a symbol of hatred. Former Black Lives Matter U, that's Utah, leader Lex Scott defended that post, citing the presence of a white supremacist group daring to march with an American flag in Philadelphia. Lex Scott implied that the flag is showing support for hate and racism unless individuals publicly denounce hate groups associating themselves with the American flag. Following that, a Twitter user claimed that they were recently in Atlanta. The black people in the city were wearing American flag shorts and shirts. The user says that Twitter and TikTok are not what the general public thinks. This shows that there are significant portions of black people who are indeed patriotic to this nation. Mr. Brian, an individual that I happen to know, told me the other day that the whole idea of reparations and the lies of systemic ongoing racism some 160 years after slavery was abolished could be solved very easily. Send all of those black people who hate the United States and are demanding reparations back to the African nations from whence they came. If they can go through the ancestry or the DNA to figure out where their roots are, they can go back. And we can give them each $150,000 to leave. In Rwanda or other African nations from whence some of the slaves came after being sold into slavery by their own black countrymen, $150,000 would mean those black African Americans who leave the country would live like emperors, like kings, like royalty for the rest of their lives. And with the intelligence they supposedly gained in our educational system, they should be able to rule with authority and alacrity and resilience and reserve. There's one catch to that 150,000, you go back to Africa and we'll leave you alone. You have to sign a pledge that you will never return to the United States of America. It sounds like a pretty good deal. You get $150,000 of cash, you sign the agreement to never come back to the USA, and you get to rule like royalty in the country on the continent you claim to love and want to identify with. And there you can bring hip hop and rap and all of your so-called culture back to that nation. And maybe you can track down the tribe that beat your losing tribe down and sold your ancestors into slavery. One could dream, right? The Barbie movie is being banned in country after country after country due to one controversial scene. Margot Robbie's portrayal of Barbie in the Barbie movie raises questions amongst international audience due to a specific scene recognizing an Asian political conflict. The controversy has sparked conversations about whether some countries should allow the commercial release of this feature film in their part of the world. Recently, another nation has joined the debate and could ban Barbie from its national release schedule. On the 3rd of July, authorities in Vietnam prohibited the Barbie movie screenings in their country. 
The policy came after it was revealed that the film depicts a map with a nine-dash line, a set of line segments in a map that asserts China's territorial claims of the South China Sea, which Vietnam claims violates their sovereignty. Therefore, we do not grant a license for the American movie Barbie to release in Vietnam because it contains the offending image of the nine-dash line, the state newspaper Tua Tri wrote. Days later, the Philippines joined the Vietnam battle against the depiction of the sea lines and is looking to ban Greta Gerwig's Barbie movie in the Philippines, according to Variety magazine. On Tuesday, Philippine Senator and Vice Chairman of their Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Francis Tolentino, told local media that if it is true that the nine-dash line appears in the movie, it is incumbent upon the movie and television review and classification board in that nation to ban the movie as it denigrates Philippine sovereignty. Later the same day, they released a statement confirming that they are reviewing the classification and it looks like the Barbie movie is going to flop and not be allowed to be shown in certain foreign countries. Have you ever tried Ben and Jerry's ice cream? I have never in my life had one single nibble, one single bite, and one lick of an ice cream cone if I knew it contained Ben and Jerry's label on it. The progressive liberal woke Ben and Jerry's is now melting under pressure after trashing Independence Day in the United States of America. The ice cream giant trashed the 4th of July and called on the United States to return Mount Rushmore to the Indians. Feathers, not dots. This is what Ben and Jerry's tweeted with a link to a statement condemning the U.S. for allegedly stealing Native American lands, especially Mount Rushmore. Quote, This 4th of July, it's high time we recognize that the U.S. exists on stolen indigenous land and commit to returning it. Here is my issue. We didn't steal this land. We fought a war and we won this land, fair and square, just like we won the state of Texas from the Spanish, just like we won parts of the United States of America from the French. Nations go to war. The spoils of war often include the land involved in that war. We do not owe the Native Americans anything. In fact, they owe the United States of America a gratitude thank you, a big old debt of gratitude for not killing them off, which is what most nations do in war. They kill off the enemy and take their land. The statement went on further to say, ah, the 4th of July, who doesn't love a good parade, some tasty barbecue, and a stirring fireworks display? The only problem with that, though, is that it can distract from the essential truth about this nation's birth. The U.S. was founded on stolen indigenous land. This year, let's commit to returning it. Here's why we need to start with Mount Rushmore. Then these idiots detail how colonizers robbed the Lakota tribes of the Black Hills through broken treaties before desecrating them with the heads of four white men, two of whom enslaved people and all of whom were hostile to indigenous people and values. If you have Ben and Jerry's in your freezer right now and you don't go and flush it down the shitter, there's something wrong with you. If you buy another Ben and Jerry's ice cream product, shame, shame on you. And that's about all I have to say about that subject. When I was a kid, there was a television show. I don't know if it was local, regional, or national. It was called Dialing for Dollars. Bart Darby was the host, and he would call random phone numbers. Or maybe they weren't random. Maybe you had to send a self-addressed stamped envelope to the TV station with your name and phone number on it. But he would call, and he would ask you a silly question. And if you knew the answer, that question was maybe related to the newscast or some show that was on the television that day, you could win dollars from him, money. 
Well, it looks like Bud Light's new ad campaign is off to a very rough start. They're dialing for dollars, begging for people to buy their beer, and nothing seems to be working because they went woke, and I hope they go broke. Bud Light's latest ad campaign is not hitting the mark. They've gone back to their basics with the latest summer ad campaign, depicting friends having backyard fun and getting to alcohol-fueled shenanigans underneath the hot summer sun. But the brand's piss-poor decision to hire the little boy pretending to be a girl, Dylan Mulvaney, as their spokesperson, is still fresh on the mind of America. And we're still not buying Bud Light. And it's spilled over into many of Anheuser-Busch's other brands. I saw the ad and I laughed and thought, gee, a clever guy with a Photoshop ability could simply put a Coors Light or a Miller Light or a Yingling or a Blue Moon in this place where the Bud Light logo appears. That would be cool. Anyway, I'm not drinking it, and I hope you're not drinking it. A gynecologist refused to offer a pregnancy test to a transgender male, and queers around the nation are up in arms. Is it possible or acceptable for a doctor to deny care to a patient regardless of their professional or personal beliefs? An experienced gynecologist named Anna sparked backlash after she refused to carry out a pregnancy test on a transgender patient who identified as male. Why? Males can't get pregnant. So if you're a man, if I walk in and ask to have a pregnancy test performed on me, a gynecologist is going to run me out of the office. But you see, the problem with this transgender male is it's really a female. Because a transgender male means a female pretending to be male. Now let me ask you this. If you are pretending to be a male, you are a transgender male, that means you're really a woman. How can you get pregnant if you are a male? You must really still be a female because after all, you still have female body parts. Anna emphasized right at the beginning that she prided herself on providing quality care to her patients. Despite being a gynecologist for 42 years, she claims she never had to treat a patient who was transgender. And why the hell should she? Anna also said that she is a devout Christian and prides herself on her Christian values. She prides herself as being a Christian and being a real biological woman. The name suggested it was a man. The patient questioned named Axel, so Anna assumed he was a man when she first saw the name on the patient list. Her specialization lies in providing gynecological care for women, so she thought it might be a male patient seeking to get an STD treatment, but was too embarrassed to write that down on the paper. Anna was in for a shock. It was only after Axel turned up that Anna realized Axel was actually a transgender man, meaning Axel is actually a woman, and confirmed so during the initial interaction, saying that he belonged to the LGBTQ community. Axel claimed to want a pregnancy test and demanded the doctor used male pronouns for him. Axel can pretend to be a man all she wants, but she's still a woman. According to this article, Dr. Anna recounted this quite derogatorily in her post while also misgendering Axel by saying she was a member of the LGBTHDTV, I don't remember all the letters, but there was a lot community. Of course, Axel is a woman and she asserted to Dr. Anna the importance of acknowledging her identity as a man and insisted that the doctor use male pronouns. How ridiculous. You're staring at a naked woman with a vagina and tits 
and this naked woman is demanding that you, a doctor, a professional who knows that it's a female, call you dude, him, he, and identify you as a male when you don't have a penis. Axel also emphasized the validity of his gender identity and expressed frustration over how society is treating this individual. And of course, it was all downhill from there as Axel, the woman pretending to be a man, the exact opposite of a Dylan Mulvaney, turned into a heated discussion regarding the complexities associated with the fallacies of gender identity and the lack of acceptance of these freaks in society. Dr. Anna continued, I finally got around to asking how I could help and Axel replied, I need a pregnancy test. Dr. Anna was stunned by the request since it contradicted Axel's self-proclaimed gender identity. After all, why would a male need a pregnancy test for himself? So Anna refused to give it. Anna decided to refuse the request. Anna told Axel that since Axel is a man, she will treat him like a man. Quote, I told her, Axel, that a pregnancy test would be a waste of resources and time since she is a man, unquote. Anna assumed that her viewpoint would align with Axel's understanding of gender. Axel claims to feel victimized because everyone's a victim. Things took a turn for the worse. Axel accused Anna of denying him treatment, but she stood by her decision and said a person can't have his cake and eat it too. The way Dr. Anna saw it, someone wanting to play God would also have to accept the consequences of being their chosen gender. Think about this. Anna began to second guess her stance though. She didn't feel bad. She thought the situation may have resulted from her views on the new epidemic of gender identity and took to the internet to ask, am I the a-hole for denying Axel the care he, she, it asked for? Some people were quick to call out Anna, claiming that Anna the doctor discriminated against Axel the pretend dude who thinks he might be pregnant. Whether or not you agree with your patient's choices, there's still people who deserve empathy and medical care, one of them wrote. Well, I'll answer to that right now. How can a man need a pregnancy test when a man cannot get pregnant. If you think you are a man, if you are delusional enough to pretend to be a man, then whatever's growing in your stomach must be a tumor. Another Redditor went so far as to call Dr. Anna a bigot, saying, quote, you are a bigot and if he still has a functioning uterus, he can get pregnant, unquote. The mental illness is spreading throughout America, my friends. I'm sure you knew that, but decided to withhold basic medical care because you are a bigot, it continued. Someone wrote, you have an obligation to follow the Hippocratic Oath. You took an oath to do no harm. Well, you're not doing any harm. You're simply saying, I'm not going to do a pregnancy test on a person who says he's a man, even though he's a woman. You cannot have it both ways. If your patient, the man, dies of cervical cancer, but a man can't have a cervix, due to your neglect, will you feel bad? Another one asked. You took an oath to do no harm. If you aren't willing to provide medical treatment to someone based on your religious beliefs, then get out of practicing medicine and do something else. I have a message for that commenter. Why don't you go to medical school, become a doctor, and stick your hand in this man's vagina and see if he is pregnant. Come on, get ridiculous more and more by the moment. Another commenter reminded Dr. Anna, what happened to judge not lest ye be judged because that's what you're doing. And one more piled on saying you can't possibly know every facet of a person's life. You're only basing your judgments on your own experience and biases. No, if you are a business that treats female patients and a male, because that's what this person claims to be, comes in and demands female treatment, then you are simply doing your job by refusing. Wow, folks, I've run way over time for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. <sighs> Go out there and try and make it a great day. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now.